theyeshiva.net. Okay, welcome everybody and good morning. Ruchim Aboyim. Everybody should have a beautiful day. An amazing day. Schus of Ezra Asaifer. So today we're going to begin a new mimer of the Balatanya, Parshas Vayichi, Torah Parshas Vayichi. It's the first discourse, page 89 in the Sefer Torah or Mem Hei, column 1. Yehuda Ata Yeducha Achecha. It's a very, uh, very special and powerful and deep mimer about four stages of davening, representing four stages in a relationship, embodied by the first four Shvatim, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda, the first four sons that were born to Leah, and <coughs> the first four Shvatim of the Jewish people. Today's class is dedicated by Larry and Beth Goldsmith, dedicating Le'elu Nishmas, Al-Techaya Charna Rivke, Basir of Meir, Chanoich, May she remain an eternal source of blessing and light and inspiration. And thank you very much to the goldsmiths. It's also dedicated by Norma Bloom in memory of her dear father, Reb David ben Reb Nosen Hakoyen, of blessed memory. Thank you very, very much. <coughs> it should be a good tibetan for the family and for all of the Jewish people. Okay, so let's begin inside. This discourse was said by the Balatanya, Parshas Vayechi, Tovkuf Samach Vav. Tovkuf Samach Vav would be 1806. And it's the first Maimer in Torah. Yehuda Ata, Yeducha Achecha V'Goymer. When Yaakov Avinu blesses all of his children right before he passes away, so if he speaks <coughs> to Reuven, he speaks to Shimon, he speaks to Levi, and then he speaks to Yehuda. How does he open up his words to Yehuda? He says, Yehuda Atta, you are Yehuda. You are Yehuda. Yehuda Achecha. What does Yehuda Achecha mean? So the word Yehuda actually comes from the word Oida, as we will see, thanks. When Leah gave birth to Yehuda, she said, Hapam Oida Hashem. Now I will finally be thankful, I will be grateful. Like we say, Todaraba, Hoida, Lahoidois, Moidemanachnulah, thank you. Right, we say thank you is, is, is called Todah, Haidah, Lahoidos, Toiv Lahoidos. So Yehuda Atta, Yehuda Achecha. Your brothers will be thankful to you, or your brothers will submit to you, your brothers will acknowledge you. It's not so clear what Yaakov means. We'll soon see how the Balatanya explains it. Some of them are Farshim, like the Sepharna. Rebbe Vadi Sepharna explains, Yehuda Achecha. Your, your brothers will submit to you. In other words, they will they will choose you as a sovereign, as a melech. The reason why Yehuda became the king of the Shvatim is because the brothers wanted it. The brothers accepted it. They felt that he's really qualified to be a leader. Your brothers will, will submit to you. Because the word haida means two things. It means thanks. It also means submission. Like when you're maida, right? It's a form of submission, acquiescence. I'm made to you. I agree to you. I submit to you. I surrender. It's a form of surrender. It's all the same shayrish, the same shayrish of vidui, confession. When somebody is misvada, it's also misvada, maida is also the same concept, right? I acknowledge I did something wrong. I say, I'm sorry. I apologize. So Yehuda Atta Yeducha What is the meaning? What's the inner meaning of this? Why will your brothers acknowledge you? Hine Yehuda Nikra Shem Apam Oida. As we said, the reason the name Yehuda was given, Leah says, different. Every child had a name for a different reason. Reuven was named Reuven because Hashem saw my pain. Kira Hashem ba'ani. Shimon, Hashem's heard heard that I wasn't liked. Levi, my husband will accompany me. He's going to explain all these names. Yehuda is hapam oida. Now I'll be thankful. The question is, why now? Why not the first three times? Rashi himself asks this question. Hapam, now, now. So he says, Yehuda embodies a quality in all of Neshama Yisrael, in all of Klal Yisrael. And that's the quality of Haidoya, the quality of gratitude, acknowledgement, thankfulness. 
It's not just the individual Yehuda. This is something that embodies a quality in all of Knesset Yisrael, in all of Neshamah Yisrael. Every soul, individually and collectively, has this quality of Yehuda. Like we say in Davening, <coughs> or we say in Aleinu, That's Yehuda. Ella. People are not always in the same moods. <laughs> now I'm thankful. If it's a quality of Neshama Yisrael, so it's constantly, he says, that's true, constantly. But we live in a world of time. We live in a world where we're vulnerable, where we, we, we go through fluctuations. Because it's Tachas Hazman, there's a clock. You can't compare a person in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. <laughs> Somebody once asked the Ersameach, the Meshachachmer of Meshachachachin of Dvinsk, he asked him, what was the uniqueness of the Bakiva Eger? The Bakiva Eger was, uh, you know, there's something special about his, his, his Hagos, his commentaries, his questions, his Sarachions, his Sarachian Gadols. He asked him what sets apart the Bakiva Eger. Even his questions, you know, till today, the yeshivas, but the medrash and the people, the way they toil in the bakivah is unique. So the Ersameach answered, he says, by most people, they write, they reflect different places where they are. You can't compare, you know, a person before the cholent, after the cholent, before the nap, after the nap, when you have a flu, when you don't have a flu. When you're happy, when you're not, you know, people, and it's reflected in your writing. You know, you could say, you know, he's having a hard day. He's having a hard day. Even a very talented and good person, it's not his best day. He says, "Rebekiv Eger is alamod Rebekiv Eger." You never catch him. Atam shemata bama. He says, "You never catch him on tashvach ekasha." He said, "Rebekiv Eger is always a tamag hedavart." Huh? From Harav Zevin, from Vemen. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's always on, as they say. He's always on. <laughs> He's never like off, you know. <laughs> it's what they call in, in camp a lazy day. Now you have to be there as some to say that also. But the point is, is tachas hazman. So Leia says, hapam Now there's moments when you experience the full sense of gratitude. In the source from where every neshama is taken, it transcends time. The concept of t- time is a creation. B'nei's bara, yeah, the Vilna Gaon teaches B'nei's bara. Beginning is also creation. B'nei's beginning is also created. The Rishonim already say that zman is a nivra, right? It's a chiddush because people didn't think zman is a nivra. Time is essential. In our generation, scientists already say that time is a creation. It's a new thing. That's, but it's a, it's a powerful idea because time, you would think, is just it's part of reality. What do you mean there's reality without time? Yeah, there's reality without time. That's what he says clearly. In the source from where every neshama was chiseled, was, was uh, queried, was, um, was honed, a soul comes from a place that's beyond zman. V'sham nikre Yehuda. And over there, it's called Yehuda. Why? It says in Eiv, The extra Yud, if it would say without the Yud, it would be Kacha Asa. Yasa could be in the future, but Yasa also means he always does it. And because he always does it, he also will always do it. So Yehuda, the Yud, it's not just haidaya that's limited to a certain time, it's constant. It's always, the neshama is an, es- an essential state of gratitude. That's the natural state. The way it comes out in time, it's hapam, there's different situations. Where you are, how serene you are, how open you are, how angry you are, how relaxed you are. <coughs> how, you know, what's going on in your life, that's hapam. There's different moments, you can't compare. But Lamailam and Azman, it's Yehud, it's a constant state of Haidaya. If it would, if it would say, like the name would be Yoida. Yoida, he's always thanking. Yehud is with an extra hey. 
But it's like that's the word. He's always in a state, Yoida. Like Yoida. He will always be thanking. Yehuda is pronounced with a with a segel. Yehuda. By us in Chumash in, in Vaishas Vayetz, it's Yehuda. Over there it's Yehuda. So it's Mamish, like Yoide. Yoide is the term, the, the Nakuda, the, the vow we use for gratefulness, for being thankful. Like it is Maida, right? He's Maida to you. He thanks you. He's Maida to you. That's so Nechemi it's taka with a segel. When do you talk have the hapam? That even in a world that's below time, that's within time, that's in time, you say, now I'm thankful. What do you talk need in order to arouse and trigger this state of gratitude? What makes the hapam? It's after the emergence of Reuven and Shimon and Levi after they're born, which spiritually means after they're revealed, after they come out, they cause that now there could be, hapam, now there could be Yehuda. That's Pshat Yaakov says. Your brothers will be moided to you. What's Pshat? Pshat is not just your brothers will acknowledge your greatness. It means something else. Your brothers are what allow you to be in a state of Yehuda. It's because of your brothers because there's Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, that there could be the experience of true gratitude, of true Yehud. That's Yehud al-Chachachim. Yeah, yeah. So that's why Leah says when Yehud is born, Hapam Oides Hashem, now, what, why now? The answer is, because first there has to be Reuven, and then it's Shimon, and then Levi, and now Hapam and now, even in the world of Zman, now hapam, now there could be Oydes Hashem. And the same is true in a person's life. When is the Oide in a revealed way? When you have Reuven, and you have Shimon, and Ein Levi, Yoiducha Achecha, because there's brothers. Without brothers, without the brothers, you can't get to the state of Yoiducha. <coughs> what does this mean? What's the explanation of this? So the first two paragraphs is going to be dedicated to Reuven. The next section of the Mayim is going to be dedicated to Shimon and Levi. And then at the end, he's going to come back to Yehud. Which, as he said, can only come out after Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Now we know that every name, a name is connected to the soul of a person, right? Dairizal says, that when parents give a name, it's with Ruach HaKodesh. It's like a little nevuah, a little prophecy. So the people get upset that parents, that they chose this name, they had to choose another name. And it's really not fair, because Arizal says that there's a certain divine inspiration that the parents have which name to give the child. <coughs> a child has the right, when they get older, they could change their name. Everybody is a balabas in their own name. Halachically, if you want, you could change your name. But that's what Arizal says. And the reason is because a name is not random. A name is connected to the chiyos, to the life force of a person. That's why chas v'shalom, when somebody is ill, by a mishabedech, by the seven they'll sometimes add a name. Why do they add a name? What's the point? Because it's like opening up newer channels of energy for their soul. The Gemara says in Meseches Yuma, at the end of Pegimu, Reb Meir, Dayek Bishma. Reb Meir used to be very <coughs> medayek. He was very meticulous about a name, because he felt that names have a lot of depth in them. Even though it seems like it's external, that two people could be called Reuven, and they're different people, they're talking different people. Two people could be called Yehuda, but they're different people. But there's something about the name that's connected to the soul. So the names of Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda are not just the names of four people, but he says they're names that apply to all of the Jewish people. They represent certain qualities of the Neshama. Like he said about Yehuda, and now he's going to go into Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Now before we begin, I just want to give an intro to sum up the four stages. It's going to become clearer as we learn, but just as an intro. Because these four stages are four stages of davening. The four stages of davening are from the beginning, from Hoidu, really from Moida'ani, Hoidu, which is also Yehuda, but it's the Yehuda before the brothers. 
But basically, the first stage is from Baruch Sha'amar until Krishna. That's Reuven. That includes also the first section of Krishna. The second part of Krishna is Shimon. And then the end of Krishna, and Emes V'yatsev, till Shmineser is Levi, till Gal Yisrael. And then Shmineser is Yehuda. So these four parts of davening, from Baruch Shamar all the way through the first section of Krishna, Reuven, and then the second part, Shimon, and then Emes V'yatsev, Levi, and then Shmineser, Yehuda, are not just four sections that you go through, you're going through the sections, but they each represent a certain quality, which he's going to explain in this mind. Another element is that these four <laughs> represent four stages in a relationship. In other words, it's a growing, it's a growth. You can't get to Yehuda if you don't go through Reuven and Shimon and Levi. You also can't get to Levi if you don't get through Shimon and Shimon. It's an order. In other words, what happens historically, physically, is just a mirror of what happens spiritually every day. You have also the other Shvatim. This Maimah discusses the first four. There's also the Avaid of the other Shvatim. That's already after Davening. <laughs> Yisachar, Zvulun, Don, Naftali, God, Asher, Yosef, Binyamin. But the, fir- the, the beginning of davening, the first main parts of davening is the first four Shvatim, Reuven, Shem, and In a relationship, you have four dimensions. <coughs> the first is Reuven, which comes from the word seeing. The ability to see somebody else. The ability to see another person. Now, it sounds simple to see another person, but it's not so simple to see another person. Because to see another person means not to see who I want you to be. <laughs> That's easy to see. <laughs> to see another person means to actually see another person for who they are. Not for who I expect them to be, I want them to be, I'm disappointed that they're not. Huh? Or who I think you are, because I decided that who you are. Like somebody once said, huh? who do you think you are, right? I know who you are. <laughs> Don't tell me who you are. And that, by the way, includes also seeing yourself. <laughs> In a relationship, it's not just another person, it's also yourself. It's the ability to really see yourself. Not just seeing who you want to be, and who you think you are, and who you should be, and who you're not, and disappointed. In, in order to be able to, it's also true with seeing a child, seeing a child for who they really, really are. That ability of seeing is a very, very profound, and the first step in a real relationship, to really be able to notice to be able just to see, to really observe, and to see it in a very genuine way. If I'm in a place of anger, I can't see another person. I'm angry at you, how can I see? <coughs> I'm waiting for you to change. If I'm in a place of very deep neediness, I just need your validation, again, it's very hard for me to see you. So seeing could only happen if I myself am in a wholesome place, I'm in a state where I can really see you and appreciate and enjoy and celebrate who for who you are. It requires in the person a very deep avoid. Because if not, I'm going to see you in a manipulative way. I see you as a hachana to me, as a preparation for this. I want you this way, I want you that way. <coughs> the next stage is hearing. Shmiya, shimon. And hearing, as he's going to explain, is actually the respecting, respecting boundaries. The difference of seeing and hearing is, seeing is something that's in front of you. Hearing is something that can be a story that's very distant from you, as he will explain. In a relationship, there's the element of knowing that I don't know, knowing that I don't see. There's certain parts that are off limits to me, not because I don't want to know, because you're not me and I'm not you. It's a respect of the boundaries of another person. It's a very deep element in a relationship. As much as I see you and I know you and I want to know you and I get to know you and I really see, there's also that which I don't see. Part of closeness is knowing that there's a certain part that's distant. There's a certain secret about you that I don't have a hasaga in. And it's, it's called respect. It's also a very deep process. Sometimes I feel I know you and I could control and I understand everything and I get it. There's a certain respect. And there's also, if I'm in a place of anger, and frustration, it's very hard to do this because I can't respect the boundaries because I feel unsafe. I'm very vulnerable. <coughs> to really respect somebody's boundaries, you have to be in a place of a certain wholesomeness. The third stage, shmia, hearing, we'll, 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 we'll see that the difference of seeing and hearing is when you're seeing, 
You know, they say seeing is believing. Something is in front of you, you could see it. It's, it's really very, very obvious. Hearing is always something that's distant. It's not something that you could see physically, right? <coughs> so there's a certain distance. I hear about it. Yeah. In other words, hearing represents that there's a space. There's space between me and the other. And that space needs to be respected. That's what hearing represents. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, Dav Chavav, Ein Eid Nasadayin. A witness shouldn't be a judge. Why? Because given the Chazalei, Once you saw the story, it's going to be very hard for you to be objective. Hearing the story is not like seeing a story. You understand what I'm saying? You hear a story, even if you believe the person. You have two witnesses, you have a hundred witnesses. When you see it, it's a different connection. It becomes engraved in you in a very powerful way. Hearing something, hearing a story is not seeing a story. <coughs> the Gemara says, and Once you see it, you lose your objectivity. For good reason. It's too much part of you. You become part of the story. <laughs> when you see, you become part of it. Hearing, there's a distance. That's what it represents. This is all two parts of the relationship that come from the person, from the lover, from the one who wants to connect. Levi is hapam yilove ishi It's the way the other person now reaches out to you. Love doesn't begin with you reaching out to me. It begins with me connecting to you. It's another mistake people make. Love is not about the person. It's first about me. It's, it's my actions. It's my attitudes. Then there's Levi. That's the feedback. That's what happens from the other person. What they give back in return after Reuven and Shimon. <coughs> not necessarily as a reward, but that which you get from the other. Yehuda is fusion. The fusion between the two. The complete fusion between the two. Those are the four stages in the relationship that Balatanya explores in this Maimon. As usual, he discusses it in the Avaida of a Jew and the relationship with Hashem. And from there we can understand how it is in all relationships. And that's why you can't get to Yehuda without Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. And those are the four stages in davening. I just wanted to give that introduction so you should be able to have the full picture. It's also going to address a very interesting thing, and that is, everybody knows the holiest part of davening is Shemin Esra. In other parts of davening, you see it in Halacha, other parts of davening, right? <coughs> you could walk around, you could sit, you could motion to people. Krishna is more stringent, but Shemin Esra... As the Gemara says, like a servant before his master, you don't make with your eyes and you don't wink and you don't make with your hands. Even if a person is in a different situations, the Gemara says, even a snake, if it's not, if you know that it's not dangerous, of course, if it's pikoach then you have to move. But if not, so Shemin Esther is considered the, the holiest part of, of davening. But it's interesting. What does Shemin Esther talk about and what do the other parts of davening talk about? The other parts of davening all talk about Hashem. Shemin Esther talks about you. Yeah, I want health and I want money and I want wisdom and I want parnasah <coughs> and I want redemption. So Shemin Esther, which is the peak of davening, actually talks all about, or much of it is about a person's even physical needs. Baruch Aleinu, Excuse me. Whatever the everybody's tefillahs, whatever it is, you have a dentist appointment, you have a doctor's appointment, you have an important meeting, whatever a person talks about, that's the focus. And that's the halacha of You ask for what you need, like the Rambam says in Hilchis Tefillah. So it comes to Psukha de Zimra, Birchis Krishma, Krishma, over there you're talking about Vathas Hashem all the halalukas, etc. That's considered preparations for Shemin That's also going to be addressed in the Maimah, because it seems like a strange paradox. So he begins explaining. Let's see. Explain this. First of all, what's Yehuda? And how is it that from Reuven, Shimon, and Levi you get to Yehuda? When Reuven was born, it says, So Rashi says, he quotes the Medrash, that Leah said, Look at the difference between my son and the son of my father-in-law. Her father-in-law, of course. <coughs> Excuse me. Yitzchak, Esav. She meant, look at the difference between Reuven and Esav. How they dealt with 
how Yosef dealt with Yaakov and how Reuven dealt with Yosef. But his point is Reu. Reuven is Reuben. Now later, right afterwards, <coughs> excuse me, the Pasuk says, when, uh, when Reuven was born, Hashem saw my pain. Now my husband will love me. Hashem saw my pain. But Chazal say that the words Reuven already means Reuven. See my son. See. So the Balatanya says that's the key. Reuven is the ability to see. Can you see the child? Can you see the child? Now that itself, you were a whole Shabbos at Kashanafshi, yeah, that's what they spoke about. Uh, seeing the child, right? Reuben, can you see the person? It's not easy, I'm telling you. Because when I'm looking at something, I'm looking at it from my own emotions, right? I don't want to see who you are. <laughs> I want to see who I am. To really, the ability to really see, Reuben, see the child. Pchines <laughs> ve'iyah. And real seeing is what creates love. What creates the flow, the hamshacha, the flow of love, comes from the ear. Really seeing the person. Because when you really see, you'll already find a lot to love. It's an it's a interesting thing. I think, somebody once said, you know, we don't love other people. We love our version of them. Think about it. We don't love other people. We love our version of them. I have a version of you. I create a version. You know, I have a Wikipedia file. I put in what I like. That's what I love. That's not what love is. Real re'iyah, real seeing, that's what creates Hamshachas Pchidasav. Because then the love is not a fictional love. It's not a love to some uh, comical character or some depiction of you the way I have you in my brain. Some people... They love, but their love is completely based on the version of you that I decided to draw. That's what I love. As long as you fit into that version, I'm good. The moment you don't fit into that version, how about guten tag, have a good day. But real lava comes only from real reef, really, really seeing. And when you really see, you really connect. You actually see, you could really see, you could really connect. That's what creates real love. Because the love is there. There's a lot to love. Trust me, there's a lot to love. There's a lot to love. There's a lot to love. There's a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tev that um, was once Shabbos and he walked into a room and at the top of the vent he was touching the walls and everybody was surprised because there was light in the room. And he was touching the walls. They said, why, why, why are you touching the walls? You can't see. He was like like a blind person. So he said he doesn't see that there's any light here. It's in such a dark room. So later they found out that the light was uh, was ignited by a Jew. And uh, you're not allowed to benefit from it. <coughs> you're not allowed to benefit from it. So Ibn Nachum Chernobyl said on it, he said that the Mishnah says, by Chalav Akum, Chalav Shechal Akum Ve'ein Yisro if a non-Jew milks a cow, and a Jew doesn't see. So you're not allowed to drink the milk, right? That's the din of Cholavakim, because we don't know uh, the chashashas, what might be in the milk. Maybe he put something else. So he touched the mission, he says, ain't <laughs> The Cholav that Cholavayakum, ayid zetesnisht. In other words, what you don't have to have, what you're not supposed to have, I don't see. So this light, he wasn't supposed to benefit from it, he didn't see it. So it's not stama joke, it's a sensitivity. It's a sensitivity that his eyes didn't pick up on this light. <coughs> yeah. So he says, There's a remez for this, the Pasuk says in Yecheskel, In the Merkava, the face of the lion is on the right. The word Arye, is Oisius Re'iyah, seeing. And that's El Hayamin, that's on the right. It says in Zoyar that right, Yamin, is associated with Chesed. Left is associated with Gvurin, a lot of Sifre Kabbalah. Teferis is in the middle. So Pnei Aryeh, when you have Aryeh, which is Oisius Re'iyah, El Hayamin, it leads you to love. Seeing brings to Yamin, to the right column, which is Chesed, which is Avu. 
And that's why, location-wise, the Machine Reuven, the camp of Reuven, was in Teimona, as it says in Bamidbar. What's Teimona? Teimona is Dorim, south. When you have Mizrach, which is where the sun rises from, and that's where the Jew davens to Mizrach, to the east where the sun rises from. <coughs> Mizrach comes to the word Zericha. That's the beginning of a shining. So the right side of it is Dorim, south. And the left side is Safan, which is north. And then you have west, which is the opposite direction. So Reuven, which is Re'iyah, is on Teimona, with Dorim, which is Yemin, which is Chesed, which is Avon. In other words, the point is that these are a Muslim of the connection between Re'iyah and Ava. Seeing, which is the Avoid of Reuven, Reuven, he really had the ability to see. And throughout his life, you see that Reuven always saw what was happening. He saw, he just noticed it. When his mother was in pain, right, he's the one who brought her the Dudayim, the mandrakes in the field. And when Yosef was about to be killed, he's the one who observed. He was also the B'chayr, he was the oldest, you know. So Reuven had this sensitivity, this deep sensitivity. So he's associated with Timana, with the South. The concept of Re'iyah, we're not just talking about seeing physically. I see a beam, I see a person. Re'iyah is his derechib. It's a form of becoming close with affection. The Navi says in Isaiah, Just like a fig, when it becomes ripe, and it's precious, the farmer is waiting for the new fruits, and the first fig appears on the tree, that's how I saw your forefathers, Hashem is saying. What does this mean? That's how I saw them. Reisi doesn't just mean I saw them, I took a picture. Reisi means I saw them, I recognized them, I cherished them. Seeing here means closeness. You really see the person means you cherish the person. You really take time to look at them, to notice them. It's a form of chiba. Reisi aveseichem means I saw them just like I got excited about them. It's not just I saw them as an objective fact. I see something in the street. Reisi is I felt close. V'zel, this is Pshat, when Reuven was born, Leia said, Hashem, Hashem saw, Ki ishi. Now my husband will love me. So here's also a connection. Because he sees, there can now be love. Because Hashem saw my pain, that's Reuven, now my husband will love me. He's going to explain what this means in a person's life. But here again, the Ra will allow for Yevani. Hashem sees what's going on. He notices, he'll help my husband start loving me. <coughs> what does this mean? In the life of the Jewish people, It's an expression in Zoya, Parshas Miketz. To gaze, listakola means to gaze from the word lehistakel, histaklut, be de malka on the preciousness or the glory or the beauty of the king. Which this is what arouses the love until I want to be close to you. The word in Zoyal is listakola, not to hear, not to understand, to gaze at something, to steer, to steer. You know, when you're, when, you, when you're mesmerized by something, it's a different relationship. I can hear things. I can understand things. But it doesn't transform me. Histaklos re'iyah is when I could see it. So just like in a physical world, when you see something, they say, as I said before, seeing is believing. And the impression of seeing is different than anything else. Right? That's why today with so much screen... And visualizations, it's hard to teach children and even adults because you have to compete with the level of stimulation that comes through the ear. When most of Chinuch was done through Shmia, it was audio, right? So people were used to, that's how we got information. But today, especially in the Lomaza, everything is so visual and they know how to make visualizations in a way that it captures you. So if Judaism doesn't compete with that level of stimulation... You fall behind. It's very, very important. People don't understand. You have to capture the children. You have to make it excited. They have to be glued. They have to be glued. Now, people make fun of it, but that's the fact because that's what other people are offering. Because when people see things, it, it leaves just, just the way it is. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It, it leaves a different impression. 
And I told you, in halacha it's that way. Ein eid nasadayin. I can hear a thousand stories from a million witnesses. It's not the same like when I saw it. In halacha, pashat. Erlechiyidin, erlechiyidin. Felinishchsidim, erlechiyidin. Yeah. When it says, listaklus in Asia, because listaklus means you see things, you see things, we all see things. The question is, you know, do I turn around a second time? You know, going back. And it's true both in the negative, it's true in the positive. You know, when people see certain images, they have a very deep, it could have a very deep impact for years. It's people that sometimes see things and uh, it leaves a very deep impression. It's true both in the negative and it's true in the positive. It's not so easy to free yourself from the experience. Why? Because that's the gift, Hashem, the gift of Re'i is a gift mm-hmm. of internalization. It's very internalized. Oh, good kasha, good kasha. What does the Zoya mean? Listakalabi, Karadamalka. I understand something physical. <laughs> I could see, I could see videos, I could see animations, I could see pictures, I could see people, I could go to a museum, I can see art. When you're talking about a lakos, there's no, it's not physical. But that's the Chiddush here. The Chiddush here is that sometimes we learn things in a cerebral way. That's not what we're talking about. Re'iyah means when I really connect to it like I see it. Of course it doesn't mean I see Hashem with my physical eyes. You can't. God is not a physical property with physical frequencies in the electromagnetic fields that my eyes are going to say, oh, that's God. To put it differently, if my eyes say this is God, it means it's not God. If God is finite enough that my eyes say, oh, this is Hashem, I can promise you that's not God. In other words, anything you see, today we know that anything you see is already not ultimate reality. In other words, the more real something is, the less you see it. Right? Genes, for example, are pretty powerful. You don't see them. Cells have an impact, let's put it that way. <laughs> you don't see them. Atoms, they <laughs> It's the, it's the building blocks of matter. You don't see them. Why not? The answer is, the more real something is, the less it's metzumtzum, the less it's restricted to those, <coughs> excuse me, light frequencies that my eye can pick up, the more real it is. The fact that you could see something, it already means it's just a certain form of the way reality is projected that my retina could pick up on it and then my brain can interpret it. So you just have to understand that, right? You understand what I just said? Yeah. Uh, you know, until the, the till the till the late eighteen hundreds, they didn't know there's a concept called a virus. It's a concept called germs. It's a concept called uh, bacteria. It's a concept called fungi. It's a concept called germs. It was a black plague. It killed out millions of people. So they blamed it, of course, on the Jews and on the wells and on the devil, <coughs> the devil and the Jews. Why not? You blame the Jews. They're always a good scapegoat. You, we didn't have the instruments to pick up on deeper reality. So now when you talk about godliness, this takala doesn't mean that I actually see with my eyes, but it means that the ideas, the, the, the reality of it becomes real like a person sees it. The Mishnah, the, the Gemara says in, in Tomit, Ezo Chachem, in Pekiovis, Ezo Chachem, Right? What's a Chachem? Somebody who sees the future. He sees the future. So the Pshat is Haroya Sanoilat. It's like I see it. I don't see it. It has to come yet, uh, maybe in 10 years. But that's the ability. The ability is, I, I treat it like I see it. Even though I don't see it. That's why you need Chachmah. It's like I could see it in front of my eyes. That takes perception, because on a physical level, I can't see it. It's not happening. It's not happening right now. But that, that takes a special skill of wisdom. So that's what Listakolobi Yikara means. That a lakus, godliness, is not something that remains abstract, transcendent, intellectual, words, concepts, which often is what happens. It's just a concept. You talk about it. It's like a recipe. <coughs> it's like somebody studying a recipe book. And they know the whole recipe book backwards and forwards, but they never, they never tasted any of the food. You understand what I'm saying? You ever studied a recipe book, Palpe? With Rashi, with Toysavis? And if there's no baking powder, you know what to do instead, right? And if there's no soy milk, you have all you know all the details, but you never ever tasted the food. Listakolabi kara de means that it's actually real. 
It's it's vivid. Valdover is a niskinu psuka de zimra. And this is the concept of Reuven for which the Chazal instituted. What's called Psukha de Zimra. And then Yetzirah before Krishna in order to come to the Vahafta of Krishna. Krishna begins with the words Vahafta Sashamalakacha, love. We said, how is there love? By seeing. When you could really see me, you could love me. So he says, the whole structure of davening from the beginning of Psukha de Zimra all the way till Krishna is the Ru'uvein to get to the Vahafta. That's the first stage. What was the whole point of talking about Hashem? One capital and another capital and another capital and another capital and another capital. You said it yesterday already. At this point, hopefully you know the last capital of Tehillim. What's the point? Again and again and again. Why? What is it? People wonder about this because it's hard for them. It takes a lot of time. And it takes energy, and if you're going to do it seriously, it takes a lot of energy. So he says, what's the point? He says, it's like, he, why, why are you telling the story of Hashem's praises every day? Because it's not about knowledge. The knowledge you have already, <laughs> hopefully, if you know what it means, you already have the knowledge. Knowledge is still concealed. What does it mean it's still concealed? When you know something, it's concealed in the sense, it doesn't necessarily impact me. The Gemara says in Brachas, a thief, when he uh, creates a, a tunnel, he's at the entrance of the tunnel of the, of the basement, going into your house, breaking in, he, he says a tefillah. What does he say? He says, please help me, and I promise you 50% for tzedakah, right? So every ganav does, no? He reaches out to Hashem. Does he have a Muna? Doesn't he have? Of course he has a Muna. He doesn't ask. Uh, <coughs> he doesn't ask King Charles to help him. He doesn't ask Donald Trump to help him. He doesn't ask President Biden to help him. Right? Who does he ask to help him? Hashem says, "Do me a favor. Help me." <laughs> does he? So he believes. Yeah. He doesn't ask me to help him. He doesn't ask his shvigat. He reaches out to Hashem. But he's still a ganav. I Hashem said It's not a stira. Why? That's what he says. Because it's knowledge that remains removed. It's not seeing. You don't see me. It says in Tanya, Hashem Yeah. Excuse me. It's not seeing. So there's no, I believe, but belief is abstract. Yeah, I have a problem. So you come to God, you ask Him for a Yeshua. But I can't take it to the bank. I need Parnosa. How am I going to get Parnosa if I don't steal? I, the same Rebbeinah Shalom that you're davening to, said you shouldn't steal. Okay, Hastakasha. Look at Kivayi says, Tzorech Iyun. Hastakasha. It's a good question. But that question, Rebbe Shtaipnish from Akasha, Mehednish Tov Gamvan and Akasha. Just because you have a question and a contradiction and a tayuf doesn't mean I'm going to stop stealing. But this means in life, always, that when a person could know a lot of things, but push comes to shove when I'm triggered, when, you know, I have to, when, re, when reality is staring me in the face, this awareness doesn't have that power. Because it wasn't integrated on that level. That's where seeing comes in. Seeing is... You have to work it out because it has to, it, it, it permeates you. It permeates, you know, people sometimes they learn a lot of things and they make resolutions and achlotas and, and I'm going to come home and I'm going to behave that way. But then spaghetti hits the fan and they lose it. What happened? What happened? And the answer is, this was visual and this was a good sheer, it was a good concept. They don't compete. This is on some level of my brain where I wishful thinking where I would like to be. But in reality, my body, my nervous system is reacting. And you have to be aware of this. It's a very, very important idea. People learn about things and they, they decide they're going to change and how they're going to change. They're going to learn and learn and learn. And they that can know it and they mean well. But when this happens, you know, my wife says something, my kid says something, my husband says something, my friend says something. The trigger is so powerful, my nervous system loses it. Because that's, that's me. That's where I am. I, you know it. He says, knowing it's somewhere in the basement. It's in, in Helm. It's somewhere concealed. 
Ihr versteht? Ihr versteht? Du verstehst, dass du zest. Any solution for that? Ooh. Says what we try doing here. Yeah. There was a Jewish comedian. He once said, he once said, I live by principles and I have my principles. And if you don't like them, I have different principles. Right? <laughs> you know, they're interchangeable. <laughs> There's in a bad day. So the Alter Rebbe says the point of the whole davening is not to tell stories. It's not to tell you the knowledge. And it's certainly not to say the words. It often becomes that because, you know, you know how davening is. Take, this takes a lot of energy. He says the point is a different, it's at least a It's a different Indian. The point of davening is, why are we saying the same kapitlach again? Didn't you say it yesterday? If it was about information, it's a very, very bad idea. People get bored of information. That's why people are very bored of davening. Information, I know the information, I know the halalukas backwards and forwards. I'm saying them for 50 years. You know what, you know, you, how many times did you say ashrei? Just today, how many times did you say ashrei? I once saw an article by a non-Jew. So he writes, it was so interesting. He says, the most inspiring poem that was ever written in history is Psalms 145. And I'm looking, and I'm like, no Jew would have ever written that. You know what Psalms 145 is? Ashrei. <laughs> Go tell a Jew the most inspiring poem. Really? Why? He didn't have that experience of... Ashrei, Yishrei, Veisecha. <laughs> but it, it, it makes you pause. It makes you pause. You know, what is, what, so the next day I read Ashley. I said, you know what? Let me try to see what this guy sees. <laughs> and I have to say, <laughs> it's a mizmer. The point is not the words. That's what he says. A relationship doesn't come from knowledge, from abstract knowledge. <coughs> Your computer knows more than you know. Artificial intelligence knows much more than I do know. But they still will not be able, you'll forgive me, they still won't be able to do vahafta. <laughs> I know the big chassidim of artificial intelligence think they'll do everything. But vahafta, he says, love, he says, knowledge is not enough. What's, nece- what's necessary is it has to come out from a place of concealment, to a place of revelation. <laughs> so the whole focus of why Chazal instituted Zimri is they wanted something experiential. What does it mean, something experiential? Not something that I know with my brain, something that I see with my eyes. Something that therefore touches my heart. It triggers my heart. In other words, to be able to really, really, really tune into it. And that takes, that takes a lot of mental, mental, that's an avoid inside of me. It's not just the words. It's like really seeing the person. If I'm stressed out, if I'm overwhelmed, if I'm angry at you, if I'm frustrated with you, I can't even go there. To really, really be able to see the person is tuning into that reality. Lahamigdaite means I have to have a lot of self-awareness to be able to open my brain and my heart to immerse myself, not just in telling a story about Hashem, but actually, much more than telling a story, not just telling facts and intellectual story, Almost like seeing it. And again, I don't mean seeing it with my physical eyes, but seeing it, there's a gift that the neshama has. It's called eyes. There's physical eyes and there's spiritual eyes. What's the gift of Reuven? The gift of Reuven is the ability for a person not only to be able to hear about Hashem, to perceive it as some abstract (coughs) reality, even if I agree with it. That's one gift. But here we're talking about a different gift. The gift as though I'm, I'm seeing something. I'm mesmerized by it. I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm glued to it. I'm excited about it. I'm enthusiastic about it. 
like when you see something that is so so powerful and and, and I'm just looking and looking and looking I'm like wow <laughs> the wow the wow effect that's the stakolabi says that was the whole point of davening the whole point of creating this davening and repeating it every day is yeah you need a time I need I can't just say one line every line takes me in it's like a journey it's like going into it anybody relates to what the Balatanya is saying that's a good question you could be fooling yourself you could be fooling yourself <laughs> but uh, <coughs> not always <laughs> you could be fooling yourself no, fantasious, fantasious. You so want experience that you make believe. You, what happens is when you when you fool yourself for a while, you feel empty afterwards. You feel dry. You feel used. You feel used. If you feel used, this didn't happen. It's like I'll tell you what it's like. It's like I want a relationship with somebody. Yeah, so, so I sit down with you. The thing is, you're not really here. <laughs> You send, uh, you know, like in the wax museums, you send a replacement. Or you send a computer, a computer, uh, huh? Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. A computer simulation, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm putting in all this energy and then I found out you weren't even here. You know what you feel afterwards? Huh? You feel like a shmata, you feel used. That's what happens. If you're fooling yourself, at the end you feel like uh, there's nothing here. <coughs> that's that's what you feel. So so you have to you have to be honest with yourself. But when I'm seeing something that's real, and it's affecting me, it enriches my life. It's very very enriching. It it lifts you up. It gives you a certain sense of calmness. You're in a relationship that is very reassuring. That is very powerful. My answer makes sense or not really? Like everything, if you create very deep expectations. It can be very disappointing. Obviously, there's different levels of tefillah. But even in the most basic level of tefillah, he says it's tuned into the words. Don't just say words and words and words and words. And it does become very frustrating for people, you see. I don't have to talk about what people feel about davening. <laughs> you know? Somebody told me the other day, he says, you know, if, if I had to now reinvent Judaism, the first thing that would go was davening. <laughs> The first thing that would go would be Davin. First thing. He says, it drives me crazy. He's an Eil Chiyid. Davin's Vesikin every day. <laughs> Ready for 50 years, he Davin's Vesikin. <laughs> so he does it. But it's the first thing that would go. <laughs> Why is he saying that? He's a busy guy. Takes up a lot of his time. He's, he's a from guy. So he wants to do it right. So he does it right. He wants to know if I agree with him. So I told him, imagine somebody would say, you know, if I had to rewrite the laws of marriage, the first thing I would say is, don't spend time anymore with your spouse. I said, I don't know how you experience the whole Indian. You could say you don't know how to do it, that's fine. But that's what Al-Tareb is teaching here. He's saying, don't think that the Chazal instituted there should be more information. You could learn the information with seven-year-olds, and that's what happens. They learn it by heart, you know, kids remember things, right? They dive in at 7, at 8, at 9, Baruch Hashem, for 45 minutes. And over there, they can't leave their seats. It's not like when they're 30 with ADD. They walk around the shul and they're already, you know, <coughs> they're out already before it began. And as like in most of them, there's two things you can't do fast enough, which is karbonus and vurachim. You ever noticed? Can't be, you can't do it fast enough. So... But a person has to be aware. Now, what is he saying? He's saying is that <coughs> it was the experience of it. And that, that it takes mental space to be able to see. It's just like with, even with people that you can see physically. To be able to really see me and tune into me and, 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 and celebrate me. With, do it, with, even with your own children, it's hard. And you naturally love them. To really take that time and notice them. You know, to be seeing this four S's, right? Seeing and, and seeing, and they spoke about it. <laughs> Remember what they are. <coughs> Children need to feel safe, secure, soothed, and seen. I can really see you. Okay, I just want to finish this paragraph. <coughs> now, he goes through very bekitzer a few things about, about davening 
that really each line, <laughs> there's dozens of my marim on each line here. Because he doesn't hear, he's not getting into the details, but you'll see, it's, he goes through a lot of sugyas here in Chassidus, that each line is another, is a whole other, many other my marim on it, but he wants to go through different points that come up through davening. That's a line from Ashrei, of course. What does it mean, Malchus Chamalchus Your Malchus, your kingship, is the kingship of all the world. Why does he mention this pasuk? Because what he's trying to say, Malchus Chamalchus means that all the worlds, all the worlds, beginning with our world, is essentially the divine energy. That's what it is. There's no sort of thing Hashem is distant from you, like we learned in the previous Maimon, Ner Gimel. There's no such a thing that you're not connected. Malchus is Malchus Kolelam. Vaiter. The Navi says, Elef Alafim, Vidibri Devavan. There's thousands and thousands and myriads of, of angels and servants. But Hashem is one and singular, like pre creation. Kemaimer, like we say in the beginning of Baruch Shaman. Yachid. What does it mean? We say, Yachid Melech. So he touches. There's two expressions. There's Yachid and there's Echad. Yachid is singular. Echad means one. When you say echad, there's also sheni. There's yom echad, like in, in creation, yom echad, and then there's yom sheni, yom shlish. Yachid, <coughs> yachid means only, singular. So there's a difference between saying there's echad, yachid, um yuchad, like in the famous song, echad, yachid, um yuchad. So yachid and echad. In the beginning of Sukkot we say yachid, chayyelam, melech. Shema Yisrael, you say Hashem alakeinu, Hashem, Echad. What's the difference? Why don't you say Hashem Yachid? So the Baltanya says, again, it's very Bekitzer here, but he explains this in a lot of my mind, it's two different states of consciousness. <coughs> Yachid is pre-creation. Pre-creation is Einoid Malvadi, there's only Hashem, there's nothing else. That's Yachid. I there's a whole world, that's Mitzad Melech. Because he restricted his energy and he wanted to be a melech, so he created a constricted, constricted and restricted energy with a symptom, and that creates <coughs> to be malchuscha malchus kalelama. The chiddush is Shema Yisrael Hashem alakeinu Hashem echad. To be Yosef says Ches is the seven heavens and the earth is eight, and Dalit is the four ruchos That's also one. So there's the state of reality, the way it's yachit, and there's the state of reality, the way it's echad. State of reality, the way it's echad, means that even when there is a world, and in the world, it's echad, it's one. That's a oneness that includes diversity. Yachit is a oneness <coughs> that transcends all diversity, like pre-creation. And both realities are very real, because we... Lafi the Balatanya, we live in both realities. You live in yachit, you live in, in echad. In other words, there's a state of reality that's like pre-creation, where it's yachid, where everything is still pure infinity. I there's another state of reality where it's not. Over there, you have to find echad. There's a higher level of unity, it's a lower level of unity. <laughs> so yachid is yachid. I does That's because of melech, because of malchus. He wanted to be a melech, so a melech became The life became the life where there could be a world, but it's still yachid. That's why we say, Then there's the Chiddush of Echad, that even in the heaven and the earth, in other words, when you see the world from the perspective of restrictiveness, the heavens and the earth are all connected, it's all one. That's the state of Echad. Even the energy of spirituality needs to go up. It's all you. Because there's Malchus, so therefore they became separate worlds in order for there to be Malchus. So there's me, there's the Melech, and there's the Am, there's the nation. 
as I mailed Mizah Ava Bizgalus Libelius Nixav of Gam Kulsa Navshi, the Yovilakim Vavdas Hashemalakech Mamish Dinuladovka Bebein Save Borachumamish Commission Kosov Mili Bashamayim. So here he touched on a few Nikudas that a person experiences through davening, first of all, what the truth of reality is. Psukhidazim, again, is not to tell me it's just the, the, the facts. It's for a person to be able to see it, to get excited, like you're seeing it, to really tune into it. And I just want to say people think this is very high madregas. He wouldn't say a maimon if he's talking about only holy people like uh, Darizal and the Bashamtiv. <coughs> he's talking to every person here. Every person according to their level. There's this concept of when you daven, I could daven and just say the words. I could daven and even not just say the words, but say the words with a little focus. But then, there's really tuning into it. <coughs> really, really allowing your mind to celebrate it, almost to see it, to dance with it. And he says, from that comes vahafta. There's an element of ecstasy. There's an element of love. Because the soul has it. It just has to be brought out. What is it? So he mentioned here a few different aspects. The aspect of what the world really is. Hashem is not some distant reality. Hashem, that is the world. That is, the relationship is real. That is your reality. That is identity. There's even the level of Yachid, with his mamish complete oneness. Complete, complete oneness. That's where ultimate healing comes from. Because you're not even, you're not even defined by structure, like we spoke many times. I, the separateness, that because that's why you right away started from Baruch Shama. So how does Reuven start? Baruch Sha'amar Elam. That's how it starts. He spoke and the world came into being. Like we learned in many Maimarim, it's not that the words in the world are separate things. The world is the words. <coughs> so he says, all of this brings to Vahafta. What does it mean Vahafta? Vahafta means I'm excited about it. Vahafta again is not an abstract, you know, <laughs> transcendent things for a few holy neshamas. Vahafta means you're connected to it. I want to be here. Vahafta means I want to be here. That's what it means. Obviously, there's different levels of love, but the most basic level of love is I want to be here. It's not miserable to be here. You know, there's people, they look forward at the end of the day to come home, right? There's people who don't look forward to come home. That's the basics. Do you look forward to come home or not? Of course, love, there's billions of levels of love, but the basic level of love is I'm not miserable here. I want to be here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to be here. It's a geschmack place. What does he sing? It's a geschmack to sein a yid. Yeah, it's geschmack to be a yid. <laughs> I saw a video, a yid, a chsidish yid from Israel came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he said, I want a bracha, as ich soll spinnen, the geschmack to sein a yid. I should feel it. So the Rebbe looked at him and said, my kamash malon. <laughs> he looked at him like... And he wouldn't give him a, he says, I, I should spit it. He says, my kamash malon, I've done after the bracha. <laughs> he didn't understand what, the, it was a very interesting exchange. <laughs> he kept on saying, I want to feel it. And he said, my kamash malon, what's, what's is the, but, but this is the basic level of a hafta. And he says, that's the nifsef of him, kol sanafshi. The ladovka, baby, it's a baruchumar. throughout the day, the person wants to have dveikas. With this truth, with this reality, with Ein Soif, which is really everything, with the reality. Mili Bashamayim, like it says in Tehillim, what do I have in heaven and what do I have in earth? I want you. Because that's the ultimate truth of reality. So that's the first element in Ru'uvein, in terms of davening, not intellectual knowledge, but that a person should be able to gaze at it, like I'm looking at something, and I'm mesmerized by it, and I go into it, and the more you look at it, the more you want to stay there, I would say that uh, I would say that there's a there's a <coughs> almost a feeling like I don't want to leave. I don't want to, you know. Sometimes you have that. Ever happens, huh? Uh, it happens here. Okay, wow. Does it ever happen that you're davening and you're like I don't want I don't want avas oilam to end. I don't want hamayel aritz to end. I don't want vayivarich david to end. It's not hot. I know not every day. It doesn't mean that when you go into it, there's no resistance. Of course there's resistance. You have a headache, you're bored, you're exhausted, you have a lot of things to do, it's a hard day at work. But I don't want it to, I don't want it to end. The best compliment I ever got from somebody was, he told me that he goes to Manhattan every day. So there's a lot of traffic on the GW. And you know, it's hard, traffic is hard. You're coming home, you're tired, you want to get home already. And he said, I started to listen to your shiurim. 
And now when there's no traffic, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to finish the shear. And when there's traffic, I say, oh, Baruch Hashem. He says, and thank God you give such long shiurim that it matches with the traffic. That usually, I said, does it ever happen that the shear is not as long as the traffic? He says, no, you give such long shiurim that, uh, that uh, the traffic. But, but that, you know, when you're, you're in a you know, type of relationship, it's so beautiful, you don't want to take your eyes off it. It's a thing, you don't want to take your eyes off it. Why not? But it's not knowledge. It's You're saying, If you can tune into it, just saying a few oasis from davening, or whatever it is that speaks to you. Whatever it is, but uh, the ability to be able to be mesmerized by it, to be able to be enthused by it. He says that's the beginning of a love, a loving relationship, and it's we we know and we see it between people. Can you spend time looking at the person, you know, learning about them, really tuning into them, discovering them? Okay, Bezer Hashem will continue tomorrow, seven forty-five. And if you could tell your wives or daughters tomorrow, there's also a women's class at nine thirty in the morning here. Everybody have a beautiful day. And but after the it's a steer according to this. Only way can you come to have is like they were ear. This type of ear. Well, again, there's an ear gashmis and ear ruchmis. He's not talking. He's not talking about ear gashmis. Lo yirani ha'adam. There's two in yonim. First of all, lo yirani ha'adam means you can't see me physically. Harina harina has kvedacham. He wanted physically to see the missionary. Well. It says, but Miss Sasson Hain Royim. Huh? Right, so what's Prad Miss Sasson Hain Royim? Okay, it'll become clear. It'll become clear. Okay. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.